eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Welcome to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. It is Wednesday. We are turning the page the Dolphins did not play last Sunday, and we are looking ahead to the New York Giants. Joining me today, I have the dynamic duo of Merrick Brave and Joshua Houts. Gentlemen, it's always the one of my favorite moments of the week. When I get to see you two, I get to sit back, breathe a little bit, and know that you guys are going to crack an egg of knowledge on my head. How you guys doing? <laughs> crack an egg of knowledge. I like that. That was a good intro. Uh, dynamic duo, me and Houts. What would our tag team name be, Josh, if we were... If we were a, a wrestling tag team here, we're both wrestling guys. I don't know how many stables have you created. I'm sure you have some names. I was just gonna say the Rock and Sock Connection. I'll be, I'll be uh, mankind. I'm fine with that. Okay, all right, I'll be the Rock. Yeah, we could do what, that. We got our own like Samoan. Go like something like a uh, uh, Game of Thrones, and you guys could be a House, House of Brave. Yeah. Okay. I, right, I don't. There we go. I don't dislike it. Just don't sign us up for any matches, please, God. I can't do anything. <laughs> I got a got a brand new skateboard, and I thought I was gonna be doing all these tricks, man, and. Oh man, I'm just making business decisions. I'm like, dude, don't don't do it. <laughs> so Josh, sad. how much how much would we have to? Oh God, we lost him. We're Good we're point. gonna keep going. He'll be back. He, fe- how- he fell off the skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> how much do you think we'd have to pay Josh for him to step into a ring? I think he'd step into a ring for free. You might have to cough up some coin to get him to wrestle, though. Welcome back, Joshua. It's good to yeah. see you. I got too excited. I started hitting buttons and you guys just disappeared. So I don't know what I missed. Josh, how much would we have to uh, pay you, uh, have have people donate for you to step into the ring and uh, give it give it a go? I don't know. What's a good number? Some, someone come up with a number. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> 10K? Well, I mean, do let's 10K? raise some good money and then we'll do it. As long as it's for a good cause, I guess. Body slam, Josh. Power bomb. Top rope elbow. Feels like it would hurt. <laughs> yes, I can confirm. <laughs> All right, 
that, that seems like enough of a strain away. I'm going to pull us back in here, guys, just a little bit. So, yes, the Dolphins suffered their first loss of the season on Sunday. And, and I want to start this podcast by asking you guys a simple question, but one that I think might be a little complicated. Was Sunday's match in Buffalo the hardest game, hardest regular season game, we'll say just for the sake of this conversation, that the Miami Dolphins will have this season? <sighs> it's certainly up there. It certainly is. Um, you know, they got they got a few tough ones left against the Eagles, against the Chiefs. They got another game, you know, against Buffalo, this time in Miami. Uh, Dallas is looking like a good team, even though they kind of stumbled a little bit against the Cardinals last weekend. Uh, but, yeah, the Bills are always tough for the Dolphins, unfortunately. It feels like every time we play the Bills, they just spank us. You know, I know we beat them last year in Miami, and then the other games were relatively close, including that playoff matchup where, uh, you know, the Dolphins almost took down the Bills in Orchard Park with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. I think that may have given all of us a false sense of security going into this game, in addition to the 70 points the Dolphins put up the week prior. But the Dolphins got served a big slice of humble pie on Sunday. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to put a little spin zone on it. I'd rather it happen this early in the season. Uh, you know, even Tua himself was kind of remarking that some guys needed to, I'm paraphrasing here, but maybe take practice a little more seriously, get a little more focused in anticipation of these games and understand that you got to put in the work and you got you to focus to win games in the NFL. So I'd rather that beatdown happen earlier in the season than have it happen in some big late season contests with playoff implications or even – God forbid, a playoff game. So uh, it is what it is. And, and now we're on to New York, the other side. But technically yeah. Miami. I, I mean, I definitely feel like um, this is one of the toughest. And when you mentioned it, man, this is the AFC East that we're battling for. So um, you look at the schedule, the Chiefs look hard. But thankfully, we're playing in Germany, kind of a even playing field, I suppose. And then the Eagles game, I know I'm super stoked for that one. Can't wait to see those Kelly Greens. But besides them, I mean, I feel like it is the Buffalo Bills. That's the hardest competition. And to think that this is what the division is going to come down to, it definitely sucks that we uh, lost this one. But like Merrick said, it's nice to get out of the way now. It's almost like if you're in the um, wilderness, you know, trying to survive, you might have a pack of uh, sour, you know, sour patch kids. You might eat that first before you go and, uh, you know, eat something that you can savor maybe, you know, like a, I don't know. Hmm. You, you, you guys know yeah, squirrels. Can we go yeah. camping, Josh? I feel like I you got this all figured out. That's all my kids. I was joking with them because I uh, – was going over to feed when a guy I used to work with, I go check on their bunny and I was telling him I was going to eat a bunny. And they're like, Oh my God, dad, no, don't. And I just remember culinary school. I just remember running to the front of the class and getting the rabbit to, to cook up like one of my first days. So I can't tell him that story. Oh, wow. I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just unpacked some deep feelings, man. Do you, do you, do you want to do like a memorial for this what? rabbit real quick? Was no, the, ra rabbit, was the rabbit already rabbit. dead? Yeah, rabbits. Yeah, oh, okay. Uh, you didn't have to kill the rabbit, did you? I had to butcher it, though, so that was pretty cool. Like, the loin. Okay, well, the... All right. <laughs> I was just fascinated by it. I'm sorry. Try, try rabbit if you get a chance, but don't tell your kids you're eating rabbit there. That's the story. <laughs> it's it's always rabbit season. Let's jump into some injuries here to set the tone, and I want to ask you guys. Well, first injury was to that rabbit. <laughs> R.I.P. rabbit. <laughs> Doesn't it suck though? Because we had all those years of Tom Brady, and now we got to suffer through all these years of Josh Allen just beating us down. Like, mm. What, mm. What, what did they bury the? What did they build the field on? Because whatever it was, man, we have some bad luck. One, one more thing before we get to injuries. Uh, Dustin brought this up on yesterday's show. If you guys haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go check it out. Last year, the Dolphins' defense seemed kind of built to beat the Bills, right? You're pressuring Josh Allen the way you beat him. You just make him panic, and hopefully, he makes some bad decisions. Again, he's a uh, 
superhuman type quarterback, but that's how you try to ruffle those feathers. This year, the Dolphins team, the defense seems not through four weeks, but the idea is for it to be more capable in terms of stopping offenses as a whole. So considering that the Bills, Super Bowl contender, would you have preferred Miami's defense to be one that was built to beat Buffalo? We don't have to get into specifics like Josh Boyer or one that is built to beat the other 30 teams in the NFL. Well, it just depends, right? You know, like you want to win the AFC East and you're going to have to go through Buffalo to do that. But there's no guarantee that Buffalo is going to be there at the end of the year in, you know, facing us in the playoffs or in the AFC championship game. Certainly possible. They're, they're a good enough team to be there, but there is no guarantee. So I guess if you're trying to build a team that either beats one team or 30 other teams, then I guess math and logic would tell me I'd rather beat the other 30 teams. But just like Jerome Baker, I'm tired of losing to Buffalo. I'm sick of it. It's not his fault at all, though, right? No, some of those missed no, tackles and shooting no. the Um Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think I'd really re- ugly linebacker numbers. Some yeah. really ugly. It was. Well, I'll tell you what. If you guys remember, Tom Brady lost more games against the Miami Dolphins than any other team he played against in his career. And There's we still have no Lombardi trophies to show for that. We just have a cool stat that flashes on the television every now and again. To Jake's question, you definitely want a team that can beat um, the Buffalo Bills, but I would not want Josh Boyer back. I know a lot of people are upset with Vic Fangio. Give it a little bit more time, and it's all going to work out. I I think so. I I hope so. Should get better. Please, God. It always does. (laughs) No, it it does not. (laughs) If any team would pay him the the largest uh, defense coordinator contract and have him just be a shell of himself, it would definitely be the Dolphins. That's very (laughs) Dolphins. Look how close they were to trade for this Deshaun Watson version. Like, oh, my God. Like. It would have been so Dolphins to give up your entire franchise for that guy. Trash. (laughs) Looking at some of the injuries heading into week five, there is one injury that I think might be the most impactful injury in the entire NFL. This drop-off might be worse than going from Aaron Rodgers, a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, to Zach Wilson. And that is seeing Liam Eichenberg replace Connor Williams and give up five pressures, two sacks, a PFF grade of 28. Guys, I'm starting to think that Connor Williams, the drop-off between Liam Eichenberg and him, we're not talking enough about it because Connor Williams is someone who has not, or excuse me, allows a pressure on 2.3% of pass blocks. So he was questionable on Wednesday. How much does the Miami Dolphins need Connor Williams to return to the line? Yeah, that's a big one. That's a real big one, especially When you look at the Giants and the strength of that team is that defensive line and very specifically that interior defensive line and even more specifically beyond that Dexter Lawrence, that massive human being on that defensive line. And that guy is going to be lined across from the Dolphin Center multiple times, you know, throughout that entire game. And he could very easily wreak a whole lot of havoc if the center lined up against him is not named Connor Williams and instead is named Liam Eikenberg. We might see Liam Eikenberg. We got that splits meme they're doing on on Twitter this week. He's going to be, it's like a half splits, but it's going to be a full splits by the end of Sunday's game. If, if, if Connor Williams can't play because Dexter Lawrence is a man and uh, Liam Eikenberg uh, so far, not so good. 
Yeah, Giants defensive line is scary. They also got Leonard Williams up there, a couple other guys. So they're just licking their chops at this uh, Miami Dolphins offensive line. So, Jake, I'm with you, man. This is probably the biggest thing that we're all concerned about. Um, shame on me. I sat there and said at the end of that, what, Broncos game, you couldn't really tell if he, um, Connor Williams was even out there. My God, you definitely noticed last week, right? Even on some of the completions, um, you know, if you go look at my Tua drop back, you see Tua completing some passes. But Liam Eikenberg just looks like an absolute turnstile. So, I don't think I ever want to see him on my favorite team again. I was trying, I'm going to do a cut up probably and just put, you know, get Liam Meikenberg the F off my team.mp4 and just tweet that out because, dude, I, I never want to see him again. I don't care how much depth he can bring, this, that, or the other thing. Um, we're, we're in trouble if he's starting at center or anywhere on that offensive line moving forward. Am I wrong to say, though, that that Buffalo defensive line still is, I think, light years ahead of the Giants even? Is that is that safe to say that I think that Buffalo game is going to skew how how we feel about this offensive line? There was there was a time when this group was talked about, we have a top five offensive line, I heard people saying. I mean, Tua was sacked once in the first three weeks. Liam Eikenberg doubled that in one game. So to me, I kind of see a situation developing here where Connor Williams has to come back. And one final note I do want to bring up here. Uh, there's a viral tweet going around that someone has discovered a Liam Eikenberg burner responding to accounts. I don't want to talk too much about this because I don't know if it's real or not, but I'll just say this. If it is fake, now not only does Liam Eikenberg have to go and spend his day learning how to play center, he now has to go figure out why the internet is doing this to him. So there's only <laughs> 24 hours in a day, and I don't know if that's enough for Liam Eikenberg to – handle playing center, let alone now deal with this PR crisis because some crazy dude on the internet. Yeah. To your credit, Jake, I did pull up some stats while you were talking. Uh, and the giants, while having a very solid defensive line and, and very good interior defensive linemen, they've actually only sacked opposing quarterbacks four times through four games this season. So certainly not the same caliber of play that you're getting when you're going against a team like the Buffalo bills. But good players who could turn it on on Sunday. Maybe the light bulb finally goes off for them. And maybe Liam Eikenberg is just the guy they need to see lining up across from them to make that happen. It's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> Moving forward, Jalen Phillips, he returned to practice and he was questionable. Guys, how are we feeling about Jalen Phillips' return when you consider the fact that Andrew Van Ginkle leads this team with three sacks? No other player has more than one. Well, I mean, if there was one thing we saw on Monday night is the Giants love to give up sacks. Uh, conversely, I said they've only sacked the quarterback four times through four games. They've given up 23 sacks through four games, including 11 on Monday night football against the Seattle Seahawks. And now they have a short week and they traveled to hot and steamy South Florida to play the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, this, this needs to be a get-right game for that Dolphins defense. I think Jalen Phillips coming back would uh, go a long way towards that being a thing. If not, I do have faith and confidence in Andrew Van Ginkle. He has looked amazing through uh, Miami's four games this season. I, I will ask, you know, I got a milk carton here and, and Bradley Chubb's face is on it. What's going on, Mr. Chubb? Uh, did you take your $100 million and and uh, you know, put it in the bank and say, "All right, I'll I'll, uh, I'll practice." You know, when I want to, uh, I'm not really feeling it. Like, what's what's happening? That's my that's my question. What's going on, Bradley Chubb? Uh, you need to do something. And if it isn't this game, if you don't get a sack this game, then we really need to start worrying about Bradley Chubb. Because, like I said, the Giants have given up 23 sacks in four games. That's absurd. 
Yeah, I can't say where Bradley Chubb is, but absolutely getting Jalen Phillips back, you know, opposite of AVG or Chubb, whoever it might be, that definitely, you know, intensifies that pass rush up front. Again, I think in that last game, the Dolphins probably would have lost with or without Jalen Phillips. But to get him back in this one, um, licking his chops, hungry, healthy, ready to go against, again, a New York Giants team where, you know, we shouldn't be overlooking teams in the NFL because that's just not um, smart based on, you know, the history, based on all the years we've watched it. But my God, man, they should go out there. That defensive line should feast. That offense should feast. And um, we should be smiling at the end of this one. So I'm saying that and I already feel the egg on my face. <laughs> Center, John Michael Schmidt, guard Shane Lemieux, and offensive tackle Andrew Thomas, um, a.k.a. the Giants left side for their uh, offense, offensive line. They all didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, Lemieux's dealing with the groin and Andrew Thomas is dealing with the hamstring. Those are the type of injuries that you never really know how it's going to shake out. Well, and um, I hate I hate to interrupt you, but I believe their coach, Brian Dayball, actually already said Andrew Thomas very unlikely to play this Sunday. I don't think he's been ruled out yet, but they said it's very unlikely Andrew Thomas comes back at left tackle this week. So, yay. Should at us. least do that because Teron Armstead's going to be out. You don't get a left tackle. We don't get a left tackle. Mm -hmm. That seems fair, right? Yeah, seems fair. One thing I can't didn't realize, especially, I guess, during that Bills game, just seeing it develop, how much this defense needs Deshaun Elliott. Um, guys, what did you see from the secondary? And looking ahead, Elliott is another guy who's questionable, but that secondary seems a lot more smooth when he's back there to kind of just help manage things. And blame me. I mean, I spent all offseason thinking it was Brandon Jones' job to lose. He was going to develop into a stud, but I mean – Deshaun Elliott, I mean, despite saying that the Dolphins should trade for Lamar Jackson and everyone thought he'd get cut that day, he's been a pretty solid addition. Yeah, Deshaun Elliott uh, looked really good through the first three games, obviously didn't play against the Bills. And like you said, Jake, the defense struggled as a result. And Brandon Jones, I don't know if he's fully healthy coming off that ACL injury last year, but I was always kind of one of those guys that didn't feel like Brandon Jones was a great fit for the Fangio defense just because you know, pass coverage is not his strong suit. He likes to be a guy that plays a little bit closer to the line. He was part of uh, the Blitz Boys, him and him and Javon Holland. That's what they were calling him, right? In Boyer's defense, Boyer loved rushing Jones and Holland, and those guys were getting to the quarterback all the time. That's not really what Vic Fangio does. So if you're going to drop Brandon Jones back in coverage, uh, you know, two high safety, you know, sometimes three three safeties back there, He's going to get picked on, and we saw that against the Bills. Uh, he, you know, everyone kind of gives Cater Kohu crap for giving up that long 55-yard touchdown to Stephon Diggs where he missed the tackle. But in reality, Brandon Jones came over and knocked knocked him, knocked Cater off of Stephon Diggs. Like, I think Cater had the tackle, and then Brandon Jones says, no, you don't, and he just, like, pinballed him right off of him there. So not a good game it's not his first game back but his first game with significant action not uh, not a good first game back there for Brandon Jones in this Fangio style defense and I'm not sure how much better it's going to get unless his role changes a little bit well, I think that's what's so frustrating right I mean and it's easy for fans to sit here and say but um, you know, you're paying Vic Fangio all that money. If you see it's not working, why not try to adapt and use your personnel? You know, why not use him uh, blitzing a little bit more? But absolutely, in his first, you know, appearance in this Vic Fangio defense, he looked like a shell of himself. And even Javon Holland, I mean, he was, you know, missing some tackles and didn't really look like himself. So um, that defense definitely needs Deshaun Elliott out there. And, you know, um, I don't know that at the beginning of the year, I truly understood how valuable he was to this defense. So 
Um, we need him out there if this defense needs to be firing on all cylinders. But I think all those guys in the secondary would admit that they needed to do a little bit better than what we saw last week versus Buffalo. Two more notes I have here. Nick Needham, Robert Jones, reinforcements are on the way. Their practice window has been open. That means the Miami Dolphins have 21 days to activate them to the 53-man roster, or I believe they stay on IR for the rest of the season. It's that type of go. Guys, what would bringing Nick Needham back do to this defense? I mean, everyone wants to say Cater Kohu, you know, slot corner. He's more comfortable there. Does Nick Needham just step right in as a boundary guy, even though we go back to, you know, when the Dolphins discovered him in 2019, he was a slot stud. So, I mean, does this help the Dolphins really solidify that secondary, or is it still going to be kind of bubblegum and tape until you get someone like Jalen Ramsey back, where it kind of just raises all the ships? I think we're going to have to see. You know, I think that's a wait-and-see type situation. Just, I, I hate to I hate to cop out, but for a couple of reasons, right? How healthy is he, right? He's, he's back, he's practicing, but how healthy is he? Is it going to take him time? I believe his was an Achilles, if, if I'm not mistaken. It's hard. That's a tough injury to come back from, especially as a defensive back with all the cuts and things that you have to make to try to keep up with these receivers. Um, and then also, how does Vic Fangio feel about Nick Needham? One weird thing that Vic Fangio said this offseason, and I think we glossed over it because we had the rose-colored glasses on or the aqua-tinted glasses on. Vic Fangio said he didn't watch tape on these guys, right? He said he was going to watch them in practice and go off of what his eyes saw. Well, he hasn't seen anything from Nick Needham yet because Nick Needham has just started practicing. And it, it, And if there's one thing we've learned about Vic Fangio this season is that he's not afraid to sit guys based on his gut feeling. He doesn't care what we as Dolphins fans think. And I don't think he really cares what anybody else thinks, whether that's a, a fellow coach or whatnot, because we've seen him bench Cam Smith a number of times. Cam Smith was their second round draft pick. Looked pretty darn good in the preseason. We got a lot of good camp reports from Cam Smith, but apparently Vic Fangio didn't like everything he saw from Cam Smith. And he sat on these last couple games. Eli Apple, not active against the Buffalo Bills. Now he had a concussion or didn't actually did not have a concussion. It was they like a neck injury is kind of yeah, the loose, like, like idea. Like the, he was being evaluated for a concussion. I don't think he actually had a concussion. So it doesn't look like he sat due to injury. It almost looked like a healthy scratch for, uh, for Eli Apple there. And it's some of those decisions are a little bit questionable to me. And, Listen, I'm not naive enough to think that I know more than Vic Fangio knows. I don't. He, you know, he's smart. I'm dumb. Whatever you, whatever it is there. But you think going against a team like the Buffalo Bills with a quarterback like Josh Allen, with a receiver like Stephon Diggs, with a receiver like, like Gabe Davis, especially on the road, you'd want as many warm bodies in that secondary as possible and it felt like Fangio went the other direction. And, you know, it. I, 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 again, while admitting that I don't know as much as Fangio, I do question a couple of these decisions. Why aren't these guys on the field? Why is Cater Kohu, who does seem much more comfortable and, and, frankly, a much better player in the slot, why has he seen over 40 boundary cover or boundary corner snaps each game over the last two games? I believe it was 40 against the Broncos and 43 against the Bills. Cater Kohu is far more comfortable in the slot. You know, I think you leave Eli Apple on the boundary over there or you activate Cam Smith and see what he can do on the boundary over there. And, you know, if you're going to do it against any offense, you might as well do it against the lowly Giants, literally one of the 
two worst offenses in the National Football League right now. And we can get into that a little bit more as we as we roll through this. But I do question some of those decisions by Fangio, and, and maybe he'll get it figured out and, and prove that I'm dumb and, and he knows what he's doing. And and I trust that that'll be the case, but it's just a little questionable to me right now. I don't quite understand it. So I guess regarding Nick Needham, we're going to have to see, is he healthy? And does Vic Fangio like him? How does he feel about him? Yeah. Regarding your answer. I mean, the main reason Cater Cove is playing on the boundary, right. Is because he doesn't have Jalen Ramsey coming into this year, expecting to have Jalen Ramsey now having to adapt, um, you know, with Vic Fangio taking a year off, maybe it's just him needing the time, um, you know, to bring it all together. But, uh, to your point, I would never count Nick Needham out, right? He's shown he can play on the outside. He shows that he can play in the nickel. Um, we see Brandon Jones really isn't, you know, back and fully competent. So um, I kind of wonder if that's the trajectory that maybe Nick Needham's on. But, um, you know, the fact that Kater Cove, he'd rather play him on the boundary, says all they all that we kind of need to know, right, about what Vic Fangio thinks of Eli Apple and maybe even Cam Smith. I mean, they trust Kohu. I don't know, you know, almost to a fault like we saw last week. Um, I would have liked to see X as well, but. Um, I want to see Nick Needham back and healthy and be given that opportunity because right now is the time when the Dolphins could use it. But um, like you said, Jake, this defense is going to look much, much, much different when Jalen Ramsey's healthy. And um, all the other 31 teams in the league should be scared de- scared to death of that. One more player who is on IR, and this one is very interesting because I believe we heard some radio shows from uh, Jeff Wilson Jr.'s agent that he would have been ready to go in a couple weeks into the season that they were putting him on IR to be safe and he'll definitely be ready in four weeks. Well, his practice window is still shut. He is not returned to the field. So gentlemen, what do you think of that? Cause I mean, we went the entire preseason entire training camp thinking that just Jeff Wilson was good to go. I'd like to say I'm surprised, but genuinely I'm not. I think that Mike McDaniel loves Devon Achan and I think Devon Achan has not given Mike McDaniel any reason not to love him. These last two games, Don't go too far from, yet. We'll get there. From the rookie, these last two games have been incredible. So, as far as Jeff Wilson's concerned, I think he might be the odd man out in this rotation. And maybe, just maybe, I know last week I, I, I believe we talked about the running backs, and I said I didn't expect anyone to get traded, that they rotate all these guys in. But I did also say I expected it to be the Mostert and the A-Chan show. And I still feel that way moving forward, you know. And maybe I'm leaning more towards A-Chan being RB1 and Mostert being RB2 because A-Chan has looked phenomenal these last two games. Yeah, I mean, I can rock with that, I think. And then it keeps Raheem Mostert healthy, and he brings another dynamic. But, um, you know, Jake, wonder if they're just slow playing this, right? I mean, getting a healthy Jeff Wilson back, um, you know, when the weather starts to change, right, and it gets colder out and the team starts to run the football more, I mean, I, I'm, you know, you know, I like to call him the thunder, right? So bringing that thunder in late in December or whatever, when you need to grind out some of those games won't be the worst thing, especially with how A-Chan and Raheem Mostert, you know, are playing. I mean, we're all sitting here ready to – crown Devon Achan, which we'll talk about later, but Raheem Mostert still, what, tied for first with six touchdowns on the ground, just had an unbelievable start to this season as well. So um, I, I think they can take their time because then even their Salvin Ahmed kind of lingering that, you know, looked really good this offseason. So um, we'll see what happens with Jeff Wilson, but um, I think the Dolphins are okay waiting and seeing how things develop because right now that running back unit isn't really a problem. So um, bye-bye. Sorry, Jonathan Taylor rumors. You know, we were all, at least I was kind of stoked for that at one point. We're good. I like that the, there's the baseball term, the dog days of summer, right? The idea is that just that the season's a slog, right? It's a very long time before you reach the playoffs. And think back to last year when the Dolphins signed Jeff Wilson. Um, he was basically on ice with San Fran, especially after they traded for McCaffrey. And he came in and 
this kind of confused a lot of like fantasy analysis or um, analysts because the idea was that when Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert were both he- healthy, Jeff Wilson was seeing more snaps than Raheem Mostert. And while that was true, it was because Wilson had been on ice and the Dolphins were up 10 points to the Chicago Bears. 10 points against these. There was that stretch in the middle of the season. I wish I had it in front of me, but I have too many Liam Eikenberg stats in my head to kind of really put it together. So I do kind of like that idea. I like talking about this and bringing it up because there is a sense to, hey, we can use Jeff Wilson a few weeks down the road. You know, why rush it? Why try to, you know, add another chef to this kitchen? Yeah, that's totally possible too. You know, they're like, hey, let's slow play this, you know, keep keep those legs rested. And when we need you, we'll break you out and maybe we can surprise some of these defenses. I just feel like, and while I like Wilson as a running back, I just feel like Mostert and Achan, I feel like their style fits that outside zone a little bit better. You know, Mostert said it perfectly in an interview last year, how he's just riding the wave, right? Like he just rides the wave. He waits for those blocks you know, to hit. And then he makes one cut directly upfield and, and tries to hit a hole and wiggle through and, and get, uh, you know, a good gain, you know, sometimes even breaks it for a touchdown. And I see a lot of that in A-chan as well. I think he's been able to mimic that. And, and, you know, he's probably being tutored by, by Mostert. Mostert seems like a great teammate in that regard, but you've seen a lot of that from A-chan. And I just, I feel like those two guys really fit what McDaniel wants to do. And Wilson was kind of a guy last year. It was like, okay, there's an opportunity to get him for a low draft pick. I think it was a fifth round selection, if I'm not mistaken. And we kind of need another body here. And he knows the system and, and, and all of that's well and good until you get somebody like Devon Achan who can do everything that Jeff Wilson does, but better and is just much faster. So I just I, I'm I'm leaning towards the idea that Wilson's kind of the odd man out in this scenario, and uh, I don't know how much longer he'll be on the roster, even when he does get activated from IR. The only thing I want to say was sorry. The only thing I want to say was I mean with um, Jeff Wilson, I they're calling if someone's calling, you know, they want to make a trade for Jeff Wilson. I don't think anybody'd be against that, right? You got Chris Brooks looming in the in the wind. You know, he looked like he's competent and can kind of run between the tackles. So. Um, I like Jeff Wilson. I like the idea, like I said, about him getting healthy when the Dolphins might need it down the stretch. But if someone's calling you up and trying to um, lure Jeff Wilson away, I mean, no one's going to be upset, right? The moment you my, knuckle- my, hold on, my question, and I'm sorry to to stray from from what we're doing here, but if this is a running about back trading, question, I'm going to make you do a lap. It is it it is a running back question, kind of, but it but it's kind of on this same topic. We talked about the Dolphins possibly being open to trading Jeff Wilson. Do you think they'd be open to trading Raheem Mostert with the way that A-Chan's been playing? They say football's a business, but I think McDaniel likes Mostert way too much. I, I, think, I think I think he does, yeah. I mean, I, it makes sense. I, I get the idea, uh, but just one being a homer and two seeing that McDaniel-Mostert relationship, I, I don't think it uh, would really happen. What do you think it would take to give him up? Do you think if some team came to Chris Greer and said – Third round pick for Raheem Mostert. Do you think he he McDaniel would give it the thumbs up and the okay? He should, but no, probably not. So you got to ask yourself, where's where's the value that you're getting down the road? Because I mean, Raheem Mostert now he he we saw him in Buffalo last year being an absolute monster in the mm-hmm, snow, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes sense, like like on the surface. But the more I think about it, I just see so many avenues we can turn down where it just will get really bad really fast yeah. with not having someone like monster and i think I daniel likes having both those speed demons in the back right i mean the misdirection yeah. you create with yeah. waddle fresh tyree kill out there it's 
it's getting scary out there. Fresh legs plus running back position. They get banged up a lot. You never know who you're going to need to lean on from week to week. I think I'm with you guys on that. I just thought it was a fun hypothetical. What would it take to get rid of Raheem Mostert? Maybe a third round pick does it. I'm not sure. Who knows? I got, I got nothing for that. You, you left me speechless. Now, if you two have everything settled away and are happy where you are, it's the moment you two knuckleheads have been waiting for. The Miami Dolphins offensive line, specifically Teron Armstead and Isaiah Wynn, were beaten on 40% of run snaps last week. And the reason I'm telling you this is because somehow Devon A. Chain didn't care. Eight carries, 101 yards. Two touchdowns. Gentlemen, is it time to declare Devon A-Chain? A-Chan, I'm sorry. <laughs> RB1. Oh, I joked about it last week. I did. I really did. I joked about it. I said, A-Chan, uh, you asked if he had cemented his spot as RB2. And I said, no, I don't think so, because I think he cemented it as RB1. And I was kind of being a little facetious here. But now after two straight weeks of multiple touchdowns, over 100 yards rushing this week, over 200 yards rushing against the Broncos, like, I don't know. I think he might be. And in fact, I messaged you guys earlier today, but uh, I traded Raheem Mostert from my fantasy football team uh, yesterday morning. Uh, a team was desperate for a running back. I had A-Chan on my team. Uh, I have a couple other good running backs as well, but I took a look. I said, who do I trade? Do I trade A-Chan or do I trade Mostert? And I went with Mostert. I sent Mostert packing, uh, got Keenan Allen in return. So I think I won that deal. But uh, but I do. I really do think Devon Achan is, is RB1 for the Miami Dolphins moving forward as long as he stays healthy. And I think that comes from the fact that he uh, is extremely fast. McDaniel loves him. And he's younger. He's healthier. He's got fresh legs. And I think the Dolphins want to ride that until the wheels fall off. And hopefully the wheels don't fall off. But, uh, you know, it's a figure speech. Just saying this, you know, a chan's gonna have one touchdown this week, and Mostert's gonna have like three or four on the ground, right? And probably um, you're just gonna be like, yeah, but I do think he should be RB one. And I mean, part of the reason alone, I mean, not only does he look good every time he touched the football, and you want that speed out there, but like Merrick said, he's younger. I mean, why not? You know, slow rolled a little bit with Raheem Mostert, who's already, you know, he had three touchdowns all of last year. He already has six on the ground. Um, you know, through the first what four games of the season. I mean, you want him healthy later in the year, so why not give a chance some of those touches that you've already. I mean, let's be honest, he's already kind of, you know, next-gen stats Like uh, aside, he's still proven that he's almost as explosive as Raheem Mostert, right, if not more, um, despite what the numbers might say. So get A-Chan more touches, put Raheem Mostert on the back burner a little bit, and, uh, yeah, ride this one out. So RB1, sure, but um, we know the way Mike McDaniel is. He'll have Raheem Mostert and uh, A-Chan out there on the first play of the game, and no one will know what to do, though their heads will be spinning. Joshua, you mentioned numbers. I have a number for you. Two. Two, which is the amount of times Raheem Mostert fumbled the ball against the Buffalo Bills. He fumbled oh, yeah. it twice. They lost it once. Uh, I think that could also contribute to Devon Achan taking over that RB1 spot. I have a number to counter your number. Five. This is Five Uno. is the number of missed tackles Achan forced against the Buffalo Bills despite them absolutely dominating the Dolphins' offensive line. 72 is another number I'm going to bring in here. That's how many yards he had after contact. Guys, these are this is Durham Smythe enough video game numbers. This is like <laughs> your, your kids is falling out. 
it's awesome. It's great to watch. You know, against the Patriots, he played six snaps. Uh, Denver, 30 snaps. And then last week against Buffalo, he led the team with 39 snaps. It's Madden numbers. Where's the ceiling on someone like Devon Achan? That's where my, I don't want to say concern or anything like that comes in, but I'm just wondering, like, he's not going to be great every single game for the rest of his life. Is, is he? Okay, Michael Lombardi. <laughs> the Dolphins scored 70 points, but let me tell you this, they ain't no 70-point team. No, uh, I know, you're right. A-Chan is not going to, he's averaging, you know, let's say he's played in three games, but really just the two games, the last two games. He has six touchdowns in two games. He's not a three-touchdown-a-game type player, even though he is. Uh, but he, He's a five-star man. It's unsustainable. He's not going to hit those numbers every game for the rest of the year. But I just, again, it's not just the speed. Everybody focuses on the speed, but I've been so impressed with his balance and his vision. He's been finding the holes and he's been breaking, like you said, Jake, he's been breaking those tackles and his yards after contact is astronomically high. And I don't think any of us predicted that based on his size coming into the NFL. I thought maybe he'd you know, at, at least his rookie year, be kind of that change of pace guy, you know, maybe catch a, a screen or two, a game and see what he could do with that. You know, maybe a, a gimmick play, a gadget play, maybe get some kick returns at some point. Uh, I don't think we expected him to look like freaking Barry Sanders out there because that's kind of what he's looked like through these first uh, couple games of action. So is he going to do that every game from here on out? Most likely not. And if he did, he'd be the freaking MVP. Probably we'd be talking about Christian McCaffrey version 2.0 here. Um, so I guess I'll keep my fingers crossed for that to happen. Cause that sounds really nice. And I know Josh is a big CMC fan as well. So that would be pretty neat if it, if it came to fruition, but uh he hasn't given you a reason right now through two games. He hasn't given you a reason to take him off the field. So I, I only see his workload increasing if he continues to put up these type of numbers. I already see the fantasy articles comparing him to Christian McCaffrey. So he might be onto something there. And I know that I tweeted once that I, I jokingly said, I'm going to tell my kids that this is Barry Sanders. So um, dude, he, he has absolutely looked phenomenal. And um, like, you know, Jake asked what his ceiling was. I think we're kind of seeing it, right? Like you both said, he's not going to put these numbers every week in and week out, but every time he touches the football, it's an explosive play after another. And it's just um, something that we haven't witnessed in so many years. I mean, is this the best running back we've had since Jay Ajayi? Is this, is this one of those running backs that, you know, uh, if Dan Marino had back in his prime, he would have what three or four rings by now. I mean, Devon Achan looks amazing throughout what kinda, games breaking record he, after record. It's, it's awesome. What were you going to say? Sorry. He kind of reminds me of Reggie Bush a little bit. He really does. Like he's he's got a little Reggie Bush to his oh, game. That's fun. That's Chris fun Johnson. To watch. That was that was the uh, one player profile. Remember Jake with Chris Johnson mm-hmm. and Cadaver Alakazam. Uh, dude, that that's such a fantastic comp. Like looking back, man, you deserve to pat yourself on the back. We should, <laughs> we should really re- review those uh, Pokemon comps because I think we the wrestling comps. Did we, did we do a third a third brand of comparisons? I I can only think of the two. Um, as you stew on that real quick, guys, um, simple. Does, does Devon Achan, does he lead the team in terms of snaps at running back uh, the Sunday against the Giants? I, I think so. I really do. Yes. Percentage-wise, how surprised would you be when, as Josh mentioned maybe three minutes ago, Raheem Mostert scores three touchdowns, Devon Achan <laughs> maybe scores one and plays 20% of the snaps? Because if I know Mike McDaniel, we don't know yeah. a thing. 
Yes, and and that would be my fantasy luck. I trade Mostert away, and he he remains the guy. So, um, no, not I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, but I wouldn't be that disappointed. You know, whatever gets the Dolphins a win, l- let's go. Yeah, that's what I, was, I just wanted to piggyback on that. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I don't care about fantasy. I do. I want that money at the end of the year, but I'd give all that up for the Dolphins to win something meaningful, and that's uh, the path I think we're headed on. He leads the NFL with a PFF grade of 93.5 at the running back position. His grade of 94.6 is the highest rushing grade. He is forcing nearly half a missed tackle on every single attempt, which also leads the league. Finally, seven yards after contact per play. That is absolutely bananas stats that the Dolphins have. Let's talk about usage for a second, because I think the biggest surprise I had from the Buffalo game, and Merrick, you made a great point where it was just kind of how the Bills defense was playing, but I mean, they were getting the running backs involved. Braxton Berrios led the team with six targets. We're talking about this usage. Jalen Waddell had five targets, but they felt like the, the least impactful targets I've ever seen. So through four weeks, where's Waddle? That's a great question. And I think that has less to do with Waddle and more to do with Mike McDaniel. And I, I, the thing about Mike McDaniel is I trust him to correct his mistakes. He's a smart guy and he's not a guy that's too prideful. You know what I mean? He's willing to admit when he is making mistakes. And I think if you look at the way Waddle's been used through these first four games, even though he, he did miss the game against the Broncos, um, I think you can say that he hasn't been used to his full potential. You know, uh, where were the, where were the screen plays against the bills? I want to know that where, where, where were the screens to waddle waddle is, is, you know, everybody says it Tyreek Hill to it 2.0, you know what I mean? He, he has speed to burn. So why weren't we using that? Why weren't we getting him involved? Is it as simple as, Oh, his first game back from a concussion. We kept the training wheels on. I'm not sure. Was it a thing where a the game got out of out of out of hand and we didn't want to, you know, show too much late? Or I don't know the answer to that. Hopefully, Mike McDaniel does because that's you know kind of his job. And if the Dolphins are going to be a successful football team, he needs to figure it out and he needs to get Waddle involved in the game plan. Um, I personally think when you take a look at that Giants defense, you can absolutely attack them through the air. I think this. Could be a very big bounce back game for Waddle this weekend. And if it's not, again, we need to have some tough conversations here. Yo, what are we doing? Why, why is he not involved? Um, and maybe that's a thing that Waddle needs to do. You know how these wide receivers like to speak up and and they get labeled the diva receivers. Maybe we need Waddle to be a little bit of a diva and say, hey, get me the damn ball. You know, scheme some plays for me. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully they're just being cautious. But I mean, I, I don't know why he'd even be out there if you know how to any. Issues yeah. with that. So they you need to fabricate targets for him. Get him the ball, like you guys said, about throwing screens. You know, the offense was not the same at all without Waddle, and you want more out of him. You know, heading into this year, we all had high, high hopes. Everyone's talking top 10 wide receiver. You know, what he's going to do in year two of Mike McDaniel's offense, bigger, stronger. Um, it's been a little bit of a letdown, and, you know, maybe I'm to blame. I did trade for him in a fantasy league, so um, <laughs> I as try. soon as that happens, it's all game over. I have a garbage take I'm trying to build up. Can you guys help me with this? Um, yeah, we're good at those. Is it possible the Dolphins have too much speed? They need some slower guys out there, maybe get a Devontae Parker back to really just balance things out. Is it possible that they just can't keep up with themselves? Is that the take? Can, can, can I, 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 anyway? I, I will agree with you, Jake, that that's a garbage take. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, to your point, 
a, a player like Devontae Parker would come in handy in the red zone. Uh, and, and, you know, you do want those jump ball guys occasionally. Although, you know, Tyreek and even Raheem Mostert had a, a really nice jump ball catch against the Bills. So they see, seem to still be excelling in that area from time to time. But I wouldn't mind. And I always thought Ezukama was going to be that guy. He's he's our jump ball specialist. He's he's our big bodied receiver. And then I looked and he's only six foot tall. So like like that, that's like tall for just like a regular dude in everyday life, but not necessarily tall for a wide receiver. But, uh, you know, he's injured now. He's got the neck thing they're talking about. And, and McDaniel, they asked today, and he, they, he wouldn't commit to Ezukama coming back and playing again this season. He said he, he it was a possibility, but not a certainty. And that's wild. You know, neck injuries are not anything you want to mess with. I can speak on that from, you know, firsthand experience. But, but yeah, you know, to your point, it would be nice to have that jump ball specialist, you know, uh, they the only one they had last season was Mike Gesicki, and they got rid of him. And then the season before that, they got rid of Devontae Parker, who was good at it. Uh, but I'm not going to sacrifice the speed to get that, I guess, is my long answer to a short question. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I don't think they have too much speed, but uh, I also think what you're trying to say is bring in Preston Williams uh, for some of the sure. goal line opportunities. I'm, I'm here for that. Or Matt Collins. We need a Matt Collins up in here. That's what... That's what we Here's need. Here's the take. We have developed the take. We need a Mac Collins. I love Did you guys that. see Mac Collins, uh, his interaction with Desmond Ritter on the sidelines this weekend? It was Not after a, a poor play from, from Desmond Ritter, and Ritter came, and it looked like he was, like, trying to apologize, and he, like, extended his hand to Mac Collins, and Mac Collins, like, swiped his hand away and, like, stood up and looked like he barked at him like a dog. Like, he was like, get out of my face, and Ritter was just like, okay, and, like, turned around and walked away. It was so strange, but, like, awesome, and I was like, man, I really do miss Mac Collins, you know? <laughs> it was scary. You know, the, and there's something, too, like, Someone like Matt Collins, I mean, there was the clip of Brian Dable going around where, like, he threw the tablet after talking to Daniel Jones. Like, Mac Jones is someone I put in this – or, Mac Jones. Matt Collins is someone I put in this category where, like, you don't get a fair amount of chances in the NFL. Nobody does. So when you are open, when you have an opportunity, when you become a head coach and you win a playoff game, you can't let go of that opportunity. So I kind of think that's where Mac Jones – or. Jesus, I got to do some laps. Mac, well, Mac from yeah, Mac Jones is he already fumbled his opportunity. He's he gonna be gone soon. One final thing I want to talk to you guys about before we wrap up here on another Dolphins podcast is you guys got to walk me through this and, and give me a little bit of a therapy session, right? So in a survivor pool, we've made it four weeks. Sick, picked all the good teams. Am I single-handedly responsible if the Dolphins lose on Sunday for picking the Dolphins to win Survivor? Are we still that type of team? Doesn't it feel so dirty? Oh, dude, it's... And, like, the 70-point game is warps things. We were more confident before, but, again, I go back to what I said at the top. I think that the Buffalo Bills game in Buffalo is the hardest game the Dolphins are going to play all season. And they just got punched in the face. We'll go home and shut up about it. No team goes undefeated. Last year, the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Indianapolis Colts. This year, the Buffalo Bills, who just whooped our asses, lost to the Zach Wilson-led New York Jets. Like, Sounds like you're campaigning gonna... for Daniel Jones and the Giants to win on Sunday. It's no, I, no I, I, I don't want that. Because I did bring up these stats. Let me, just, let me just illustrate how absolutely awful the New York Giants offense is. Okay? Through four games... Through four games, they have a total of 1,008 offensive yards. Through four games. 
they have a total of 376 rushing yards, less than 100 per game. They have a total of 771 passing yards, less than 200 per game. Those numbers are very, very bad. Again, they've given up 23 sacks. Uh, They've only had four sacks. uh, And their turnover differential is a negative eight through four games. This is a historically (laughs) bad offense. And if the Dolphins defense doesn't get right against this offense and doesn't absolutely dominate them, then then it's time to hit the panic button. And, And I will absolutely do so. But... While I understand what you're saying, Jake, I think you are you should feel relatively confident and comfortable choosing the Dolphins in your survivor pool because that Giants offense stinks. I have 43 total points written down. Is that correct? Do you, do you have that in front of you? 43 I, total. I, points. Yes, I believe that is correct because that would uh, be less than 11 points per game. Is I just that think correct? about the Dolphins and their 70 points and just how awful that is. Yeah, yeah. This is that get right game. I, I'm not telling you to to. Go with it though, Jake, because I know I already how... did for the record. Oh. I already did. So where the, the envelope oh. has already been oh. pushed under the door, and all I one can more... do is burn down the building if I want to get it back. One oh, more good. stat through four games, the Giants have five offensive touchdowns, three rushing, and two passing touchdowns through four games. They do get Barkley back though, right? Yeah, but if they're missing their entire offensive line, I don't know how much that helps. Plus, Barkley's going to get injured again. That's what Saquon Barkley does. He just gets injured. Man, I, I, I just apologize ahead of time. If I'm the, I mean, I'm in a guillotine league where I'm going to start Tua and Mostert. I mean, I just – this team has good players. And in past years, we decided to say, like, you know, they're missing weapons, they're missing offensive linemen. We, we can't say this, right? The Dolphins gave up four sacks on Sunday, and they still, according to PFF, was a top-12 offensive line. Um, in the league through the season so far. That's with Liam Eikenberg literally being the worst player on the play. And I, I feel bad we we walk on him a little bit, but but it's it's been this way for years. So, man, that, that's just kind did of Did you say we... Liam Eikenberg or did you say Nancy Pomposi? <laughs> God, like, like, <laughs> do you think he deserves another problem on his plate? Like, Mr. Fantastic is struggling to snap a football over here, and, and we're going to give him the PR issue of the century when you have, like, that... <laughs> NFL accounts like retweeting this stuff. I mean, it's if, who who uses a dolphins.com email address? Give me a break. There's no way that was real. It can't if that's have been real. If that's a troll job, that's just the meanest troll job ever. They're like, let's take the worst dude on the dolphins and make him feel even worse. Terrible. Don't do that. Just just be nice people. How about that? How about that? No, I feel bad for saying he's not good. We're allowed to but say he stands, isn't, right? Yeah, he's a, he, he's a bad football player, but don't worry, Josh, he's still a millionaire. So it's true. At the end of the day, yeah, whatever whatever we say, they can just cry into their dollar Sticks bills. and stones or whatever. That is it. That is all we have for another edition of another Dolphins podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, sorry if I sound like a broken record here, but for everybody who's watching the show on YouTube, who's listening to the show on Spotify, iTunes, if you wouldn't mind just double-checking to make sure you are subscribed to the show, that would be greatly appreciated. And if you happen to be, but the app is for some reason telling you to leave a review, Maybe do it. That helps us out quite a bit, and it helps others find the show. Why not? It takes you about five seconds. You could type in some random letters. Uh, pretend you're a Liam Eikenberg burner giving us a review. I don't care. That is it. Thank you all so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow with some more Dolphins content, but until then, fins up. Fins up, baby. Fins up. Fins up. Fins up.